So Matt, I was among the many people that uh, actually were tempted to come up and, and, and accept your invitation to uh, sit up here. Actually, it's kind of appropriate, the story you had, because, uh, well, if you woke up this morning expecting to see Matt, I'm your Leah. <laughs> and you've got another seven days be, of, of looking forward to Matt. Uh, so be patient. It'll happen eventually. And it's a, a wonderful church, and it's becoming greater every Every week, amazing what God is doing. And one of the many things God is doing, has done within this church is provide all these people that can preach. It's amazing. A church this size that has that many people. Matt does a wonderful job every week. But we also have Adam. We have Steve. We have Isaac. We have Ed. We have John. And... And then you get stuck with your Leia. <laughs> so because of that, and because I had so much notice, I had so much notice. Clear back in February, I agreed to do this. And God sometimes doesn't answer prayer because if he had, something would have happened and it prevented me from being here. Because I got to tell you, following those people, it's scary. It's frightening. For me. And because I'm a little nervous, I'm a little anxious, I need your help. I really need your help. Uh, starting with, how about we smile? Can we practice that? Let's smile, right? Uh, no, forget that. It looks too much like a grimace. <laughs> okay, so... I'm a, I'm a little bit like parking blindsided right here. And so I know where I want to go. I know where the destination is. But uh, I need, again, some help. So if you, let's work over some signals. If you think I'm going too fast, let me know. I can do that when I get nervous. If you think I'm too quiet, let me know. If you're getting really anxious because the roast is about to burn and I've gone too far, tell me to wind it up, okay? So, I don't know if know, you people uh, know this. Um, we've done a lot of things in our life, uh, Debbie and I. But one thing we did for a number of years, we were, we were members of a square dance group. I let me tell you, my wife looked really sharp in them big poofy. And I like to think that I looked all right, you know, my Western shirt and my cowboy boots, my little bolo. Those cowboy boots, though, were dangerous. I stomped more people's feet. They were probably thankful that I discontinued. But one of the activities we did was we, we'd go around to different clubs. And I believe we were going over to Hank Canby one year at a Harvest Festival. And our caller, his name was Jack. We decided we would have a grand entrance. Unique, people, one that people will remember. 
So we built this coffin and stuck Jack in it. Hands folded, really quiet. Do you ever notice that the only people at a funeral are the are crying or the people that are attending, the person that died, it's not that way. So he had to just really quiet. And we had people, we made a procession, people out in front announcing that Jack is dead, Jack is dead. And we'd wail and we'd cry and we walked in really slow. And we sat down this, the casket. It was an open casket ceremony, whatever you would call it. And all of a sudden, Jack pops up. Well, people will remember that. <laughs> and we had a wonderful time. But um, it, it got, you know, when, when we said uh, I was going to be preaching, I had all kinds of things. Oh, it's Thanksgiving, we'll do thankfulness and all this. But I chose something totally different. Um, and it's by, not by mistake. As I get older, I realize that my life is getting shorter. It's going to end soon. It's inevitable. And I think about that, and I, I told Deb even, I'm even planning or thinking about some of the songs I want played at my ceremony. Maybe some of you people have done that. And you actually get a chance to listen to one of the songs I've chosen at the end of this. But I want to study, and again, this is not by accident, I want to do a talk a little bit about John uh, chapter 11. This is the, the, the uh, Lazarus coming back to life. So if you have a Bible or an app, if you want to chant, turn to chapter 11 of John, or if uh, you have read Bible in front of you, it's on page uh, 1668. Now, this is a story I think we're all familiar with, you know. Lazarus was raised and all this, but there's some details that maybe we haven't all caught on this. So I'm going to read, just um, I'll read through this. And uh, we'll comment as we go. Um, hopefully, you've learned something. If not, be patient with me. Starting with verse 1. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, a village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Now, they're in Bethany, and this is, a, this is going to be important. So remember where they're at. They're just about a couple miles, maybe two miles out of Jerusalem. And Jesus is over off the Jordan uh, in a place where he, um, John the Baptist had been baptizing. So it's a ways. And he did love this family tremendously. But something strange happened. He did not leave immediately to go see him. Matter of fact, it wasn't even requested. It just says, Lord, the one whom you love is sick. She didn't ask him to come. She just told him he was sick. Expectation probably was there that he was going to, to 
immediately go and, and comfort or perhaps even perform a miracle. But he didn't. Let's read on. When he heard this, Jesus said, the sickness not, will not end in death, nor it, no, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed there two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. Now, remember I said Bethany was important because Bethany was the center of all their problems. The, the, the priest that had raised up um, the opposition to them, and actually last time they were in Judea, as we'll find, they were nearly stoned to death. But that's not why Jesus delayed. It's not at all why he delayed. He actually delayed, in a sense, because he loved them. And he wanted to, prove, to provide a miracle for them. And it is significant that he stayed two more days because when he got there, we're going to find, he'd been dead already. He was dead. But Rabbi, Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you and yet you're going back? You're going back. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks on the, in the daylight will not stumble for they see this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble for they have no light. I think his point was that if you're walking in God's will, there is no danger and you're gonna see clearly, you're not gonna stumble. You're, gonna, you're going to pay there safely even if you're heading for your Judea. <clears throat> after this, he said, after he has said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going to wake him. Well, your disciples had a logical response to that one. He says, hey, Judea, stoning, he's sleeping. He needs to sleep, let him sleep. It's okay, you'll wake up, right? Lord, the disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. He will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, for his but his disciples thought they were a natural sleep, right? So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let's go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of them disciples, let's go, let us also go that we may die with him. It's unusual. It's kind of odd that Thomas would say this in Didymus. It, it actually means twin. And the, and the, 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 uh, popular belief is that he was called twin because he, although he wasn't identical, of course, he was the one that most looked like Jesus. And he says, okay, despite the fact that I'm probably going to be 
the, the first or second person they stone because they'll think I'm you. Let's just go, we'll die. Let's die together. It's not a, he wasn't, it wasn't a statement of faith. He just resignated. Well, we're going to die sooner or later anyway. Let's go die in, in Jesus' side. And yeah, I'll probably be the first. Well, they took off. Again, they're off in the Jordan. They've got to go through Judea near Jerusalem, two miles away. And surprise, surprise, they arrived safely. No stonings, nobody up in arms at them. They're walking God's will. On his arrival, found, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Four. By my calcs, that means that he was probably dead or very near dead when he got the word. He, put, he knew that. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the, la- in the loss of their brother. And when Martha heard this, heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. <clears throat> Four days. Why is that significant? Anybody know why that's significant? Four days. The Jews had a had this kind of superstition that when a person died, their spirit would hang out close by and in the off chance that maybe there was an opportunity they can come, come back into the body and they would live again. And that superstition said that after the third day, the decomposition had gotten to the point where there was no point, so the spirit had left. So four days means that he was not just dead, he was dead. He was dead, dead. No possibility that he was going to come alive again. Well, we know better, we think, we know better. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you've been there, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Is that a statement that's saying, okay, he died, but Lord, I know that God's gonna honor whatever you ask and you can bring him back to life? I don't think so. I think she's just saying, Lord, I acknowledge who you are. If you'd been here, this wouldn't have happened. But I still believe in you. Jesus said to, your, to her, your brother will rise again. It should have brought joy to her, right? He's going to rise. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection of the last days. Martha knew, she did, she knew, her, she knew her theology. She knew that there was going to be a resurrection in the last days. She knew that she would see her brother again someday, but that was in the far distant future. And <clears throat> what she's doing, and doing, which is something we often do ourselves, I'm guilty of it. 
is sometimes we substitute doctrine or theology for faith. Jesus had plainly said, he will rise. Oh yeah, Lord, doctrine says, yeah, he'll rise in the final days. There we go, yes. She substituted doctrine for faith. I'm not saying that that's bad, having, having doctrine, having theology, or apologetics. None of that's bad. But there's a component to our lives that we need to remember, and that's faith. She had to have, she, she, she lacked the faith at the moment. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? He asked, he asked Martha that, but you know what? He's asking us today too. Do we believe? Do we believe that Jesus is the answer? Do we believe that Jesus will provide? Do we believe that we will one day see him and our loved ones? Yes. Yes. Do we believe? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. And after she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still in a place where Martha had met him. See, Martha was the doer. Martha was the one that probably made all the... the uh, obituaries, take all, took in all the casseroles, ordered them, put them out for everybody, opened the door, welcomed visitors. Mary was the emotional one. She was the emotional one. She couldn't bear to leave. But Martha came back to her and said, the teacher's asking for you. And I, I just imagine she'd picked up something from the way Jesus responded, and she, probably, she might have even added, and I think something big is going to happen. I think something big is going to happen. Anyway, what did Mary do? When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went, on, went to, to him. And now Jesus had not entered, entered the village. Okay, we, well, we covered that. When, Jews, when the Jews there who had been with Mary in the house comforted her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to mourn. So we don't, we don't practice in this part of the country uh, wakes. I've never, I've, I think I've, been to one wake, but in many parts of the country, uh, Midwest, I think of particularly, the wakes are sometimes more well attended than the funeral itself. And as I stated earlier, the person who's died is 
perfectly calm. But the people there are wailing and crying and, and it's difficult to give them comfort. Mary was obviously that way. She felt the loss of her brother. She felt it. And all these other people were feeling it. And, 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 and the thing is, in that culture, the, the louder you cried, the more tears you shed, the more you wailed, the more you honored the dead person. And there was a point where even some people who, who could afford it actually hired professional whalers. Not the harpooners, the ones that... But you think about it. Oh, you know, I can't really make it or I'm not very good at whaling. I'm going to hire somebody to whale for me. My goodness. Uh, people are strange and so are cultures. I don't know. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. Same thing Martha said, but I think it was a difference here. Martha was just making a statement. Lord, I acknowledge who you are, and I know that if you'd been here, he wouldn't have died. But you're still Lord. Mary, on the other hand, it was probably accusatory. Why didn't you drop everything? Why didn't you show up? My brother wouldn't be dead, and I would not feel this sadness. Why? When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he said. Okay, our English kind of is weak here. It's weak in a lot of places. He was not just, oh, that's, that's really sad. He was mad. He was angry. Now, what would Jesus have to be angry in this situation? You look at the brokenness around him. The filth, the despair, the weeping, the brokenness of, that, of the world that he created. What we had done to it. I believe that he, while he had empathy for the people there, he was also angry. But this situation was even there I think he's angry today sometimes when we despair when, when we displayed brokenness come and see Lord they replied in shortest verse in the Bible Jesus wept I think he was at a point where this anger had reached a boiling point and you know I don't know if you've experienced it, but sometimes I get so angry that at the end of it, I could just nothing but tears. I could bawl forever because I was so angry. I think, the, again, he had the sympathy, empathy and the sympathy for the people there, including Martha and Mary. But I think he also wept for another reason. And this is something that I think we oftentimes forget as Christians. 
He knew what he was about to do. He was going to call Lazarus back out of the grave. He'd be dead. No, if I hadn't emphasized that enough, he was dead. Dead, dead. Deader than a doornail. How do you, by the way, do you know how the doornail, the term? It's when they used to be, when they wanted to lock, when they wanted a door to be shut permanently, they'd drive a nail in so that it would stick out of both sides. They'd bend the nail over one side and over on the other side. Doors locked, can't move. And that nail was dead. It couldn't be used again. You see, Lazarus was in a far, far, far better place. There was no brokenness where he was. There was no despair where he was. There was no sadness. There were no tears. He was in paradise, or if you will, heaven. And he was calling him back to all this brokenness. He had empathy for the sisters, yes. But more so than that, I believe for Lazarus as well. To bring him back into this situation. And then to put him through the fact that he's going to die again. (laughs) It just happened. I mean, you know. Then the Jews said how he loved him. He did love him. He loved him more than more than we could ever love anyone. And he was going to call him back. And he was going to see him again. But some of them said, well, you know, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? Yeah, he could. He could have. He's provided, provided miracles before, even from a distance. But as he said, it's good for God's glory that this is happening. And they're about to see it. They are about to see God at work. Jesus, once more, deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid, laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. Take it away. Well, Martha had a logical response to that one. But Lord, Martha said, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he's been dead. How many? Four days. Did, Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, I think reluctantly. I mean, Father, and then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I have said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. He's about to perform a huge miracle. Bring back this dead, dead person. Back to life. 
and there, people are witnessing this. Can you imagine what happens next in the response for those people? When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with cloth, strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said, take off the grave clothes and let him go. <clears throat> Can you imagine what that mourning and that sobs and everything else would have turned into? Astonishment, joy, disbelief. I imagine some of the more dramatic ones probably fell over and fell over in a dead faint. Wow, this dead person comes alive and it's because of the touch of Jesus and the call of Jesus. And he did specifically say, Lazarus, come forth. A couple of reasons possibly why. First of all, had he said, just come forth, what would have, could have happened, obviously. It could have been Lazarus and a bunch of other people. He specifically said, Lazarus. There's another reason, possibly, and I have a big imagination, so forgive me if this is not theologically correct. I believe that maybe Lazarus was going, well, you know, he was probably reluctant if he knew he was coming out. And by calling Lazarus specifically, Lazarus knew that it was him being called. It was not the guy that died a couple minutes later or yesterday, who wasn't dead, dead, by the way, but him specifically. And I think Lazarus would have been justified in not really wanting to come back. I'm sure he loved his sisters. But where he was, what he's experiencing, and the joy that he was experiencing, feeling and then he's coming back and not only that he's wrapped in swelling clothes and by the way like, unlike the mummy or other shows as you see they weren't wrapped around each individual leg he was probably wrapped together and he could barely walk stumbled out more likely but he came out and again the joy the joy that people felt and, the, and Mary and Martha felt. Okay, but now we get to the second part of my point. This miracle happened. It was huge. It was witnessed. People could not help but talk about it wherever they went. And this miracle actually was used to justify the killing of Jesus. Now you wait, you know, wait a minute. What? It was. It was used to justify killing Jesus. See, up to that point, yeah, people were stoning him and the chief priests wanted to shut him up. All the priests wanted to shut him up. But this is the point where they got to a point where it's the last straw. This is the last straw. He's got to die. 
Therefore, many of the Jews who'd come to visit Mary and seen what Jesus did believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done, like, a, like they're tattling. Do you know what this, this guy did? Do you, do you know? Then the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing, they asked. Here's this man performing many signs. Man, this is God. They don't recognize that a person dead four days, rise from the dead, that's not just a man. He is who he says he is. And they're not happy about the fact that he's performing miracles. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. Okay, from a logical point of view, possibly they're right. Possibly. The Romans dealt with insurrection ruthlessly and thoroughly. And they, if the people had risen up in rebellion as a result of believing in Jesus, yeah, that might have happened. Oh, wait a minute. It did happen. It happened, I don't know, 50, 60 years later. I can't remember the day. There was a rebellion. The Romans put it down. The chief priest, in this case Caiaphas, was killed as a result. Well, let's go on and see what they said. Then one of them, named Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year, spoke up. You know nothing at all? You know nothing. You do not realize that it's better that for you that one man dies for the people than the whole nation perish. He did not say this on his own. But as high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation. And not only for that nation but also for the scattered children of God to bring them together and make them one. So from that day on, they plotted to take his life. They were triggered and they were determined to take his life. And of course, eventually they did, or at least they thought they did. You see, Jesus willingly went to that cross Nobody took his life. He laid it down for us. And indeed, he did die for the nation and for us. For us. He left heaven to be born of a virgin, to experience all the pain and all the brokenness in this world, to die for us. This God who had the power to bring back the dead to life died for us. He cared that much for us. And of course, he rose again. He rose again from that grave, never to die again, unlike Lazarus. Lazarus eventually died again. My challenge to you is this. As we look through life, as we 
go through the holidays, the Thanksgivings and everything else, remember to be thankful for Jesus, for his death and his resurrection for us. Remember, death is not the enemy that eventually, if you believe in Jesus, if you put your trust in Jesus, if you live to serve Jesus, you'll be with him in paradise, in heaven, in a far, far better place than we are today. And remember to be thankful for your church body, for your other believers, for your pastor. Because he's leading the way. If you're not, if you don't believe in Jesus, if you have not yet put your faith in him, I encourage you to do so today because if you're dead, it's too late. It's too late. Put your faith in Jesus today. I'm asking you. Okay? I want to close with a word of prayer and then Matt's going to come up and do the benediction for us. Lord, we thank you so much for your love for us. We thank you, Lord, that you do love us. Oh my goodness, Lord, you loved us enough to die for us. And we thank you for that power that you've displayed with Lazarus, Lord, that you brought him back, that you had empathy for the sisters, that you identified with the sisters, you identified with him because you were human, but also God. We thank you, Lord, for the place that you're preparing for us, Lord, and we look forward to seeing you one day in glory, serving you in person, Lord, being with other saints as we gather around the throne to, to worship you, Lord, thank you so much for that. I ask to bless us as we, as we uh, prepare to leave. Help us to remember you. Prepare us for the week to come. In Jesus' name, amen.